This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Welcome to From the Trenches, the podcast of the Association of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Division Chiefs. This is Susan Murin, Associate Chair of Medicine and former Division Chief at UC Davis. And today we're here to speak with Dr. Sharon Rounds on her experiences in academic medicine leadership. I'd like to welcome Dr. Rounds and have her introduce herself now. Hi, I'm Sharon Rounds. I've uh been a member of the American Thoracic Society for uh as many years as I've been in pulmonary critical care medicine. I'm on the faculty of the Alpert Medical School of Brown University in the Department of Medicine and also Pathology and Laboratory Medicine. Uh, I currently also have an administrative role as uh, Associate Dean for uh, Clinical Affairs for the Alpert Medical School. I was president of the ATS in 2004-2005, and I subsequently served on the uh, board of trustees of the ATS Foundation. Great. Thank you. Um, So, Sharon, can you please tell us about your path to your current role in academic medicine? Uh, Well, I've spent my entire career uh, as an academic pulmonary critical care specialist. the my job, my role, my emphasis has morphed over the years from uh, beginning with a heavy emphasis on clinical practice of pulmonary critical care uh, to now in my the later stages of my career, greater emphasis on research and administrative roles. I've been very fortunate over the years to have been able to kind of change my job slightly uh, every eight to ten years, Um, and this has made the journey so interesting and stimulating, learning new uh, responsibilities, learning new things about my institutions and and about the the profession. Uh, I consider myself really fortunate in that regard to have been able to have those changes over the years. I did serve as chief of the medical service at the VA in Providence for nine years, and uh, in doing that, I was able to really focus on improving clinical care and and student and resident education. It was was a lot of fun. Um, I then uh, became an associate dean at Brown, and um, initially uh, as associate dean for faculty administration and now Associate Dean for Clinical Affairs. So I've worked with uh, faculty from all different departments regarding appointments and promotions and now managing communications and programs with uh, clinical departments. I I think academic administration is fun and challenging. Um, There's a new problem every day. Every day is different. Uh, And that that has been uh, very interesting to me. But I've been really lucky because I've been able to maintain my research activities and and also uh, continue to to have a a, a small practice uh, 
and uh, along with the administrative roles. And I think that uh, has made things particularly exciting, although sometimes it's a challenge to juggle uh, all of these roles. Early in my career, I was a hospital division chief at the VA. Uh, and the great thing about that uh, was the opportunity to work closely with really talented uh, pulmonary critical care fellows and trainees. and. I, I miss that now. I don't get as much of that now with the uh, greater emphasis on academic administration. So it's been quite a path over the years, but uh, each uh, turn has uh, brought new and interesting challenges, and, and it's been enjoyable for the most part. Uh, and uh, I, I tell the uh, trainees at Brown that uh, the great thing about being in academic medicine is that you can do different things and change your um, your career path uh, as your interests uh, evolve and uh, over the over time. Well, great, thank you. So you've had a, a, a very wonderful and varying uh, career, and it's great to hear how much you've enjoyed it all along the way. But what is something you wish you knew before taking on a leadership role at your institution? Um, well, you know, to be honest, I when I was earlier in my career, I I really underestimated what I could do. And I wish I had known what was possible early on. Uh, the other thing that I have learned uh, since taking on a leadership role is, is just how much fun it is to be in a position to work collaboratively with uh, uh, faculty and students uh, from different backgrounds and, and to you know, work to improve programs. It, it, I, I find that to be very enjoyable and I wouldn't have imagined that before I actually experienced it. I can relate to that. I get often uh, asked about administration in a, in a vaguely disparaging uh, <clears throat> way <laughs> and yeah. then yeah. explain to people how, how much fun it is and how your reach is so much greater um, in being able to reach change programs that, that affect a lot of people, patients, and things. Reach and impact. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, one question uh, I had for you, <clears throat> I, I will frame this by saying we've had recent podcasts on uh, gender equity and on Me Too. Uh, you're an, really a foundational woman leader in our field. How, if at all, did gender affect your journey to where you are now? Oh, yes. Well, when I was in medical school, there were 10 women in a class of 110, 120 students. Um, when I was in medical school, some of my classmates mates actually asked me whether I felt badly taking the place of a guy who would be really practicing uh, with the implication uh, that I would not. So, uh, and this was, you know, very forthright conversation. Uh, <laughs> the the comments were things that one would hopefully never hear now, although I, they may be thought 
still. Uh, so as a resident and a fellow, I, like most women in subspecialties, um, there were, you know, I, I stood out like a sore thumb. There were very few of us. One of my uh, early pulmonary attendings on an early rotation made the comment to me that um, he, I had just had a child, and uh, he made the comment, well, they told me you would be tired, but I didn't realize you would be this tired. And now that was a great feeling. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I am tired. Uh, that that kind of conversation, I I I don't hear that anymore, uh, and I'm I'm really glad about that, and I hope no one does. Uh, I think that as a field, we've become more sensitive to the needs of uh, others, and also more appreciative of diversity in our ranks. But it's been, you know, this has been a a constantly evolving process, and I, I I think we still have a long way to go, but so much better than it was many years ago. Well, thank you. And I know you had uh, a role along with Dr. Lynn Schnapp, who has been on uh, several of our other podcasts, um, in getting the women's mentoring program of the ATS uh, off the ground. Uh, were your career experiences um, key in stimulating that interest for you, um, and, and tell us about the early years of that program. Okay, yeah, that was a, a lot of fun. Lynn and I uh, worked together on that um, program, uh, and the reason, the rationale for it was uh, based on, well, certainly based on my experience, and I suspect Lynn's also, in that there were there were so few women uh, in each program, and very few female faculty to serve as advisors, that at least in my case, I had to reach outside of pulmonary to find uh, other women who were experienced and, and, and senior to me to, to be able to talk to them about, you know, questions and concerns that I had. So Lynn's idea was, well, let's see if we can uh, make mentoring available at a distance for women who might feel isolated as faculty or as, as trainees. So uh, this was done through the membership committee, and uh, we sent out calls for volunteers of women who would be willing to um, serve as mentors and also uh, calls for trainees and junior faculty who were who felt the need of uh, uh, the ability to speak with someone who was more experienced in the field, and we were really overwhelmed with the responses. It, w it was clear that this was uh, meeting a need. Um, we it was laborious to make the matches. Uh, which we tried to do on the basis of uh, needs and, and also interests and talents. Uh, some of the matches worked really well, others perhaps not so well. I can tell you that I, I myself was um, matched as mentor to um, Janet Lee, who at the time was a 
pulmonary critical care fellow at the University of Washington. Janet now is a, is a professor of medicine at the University of Pittsburgh, but she and I have maintained our um, conversations over the years. I think she's giving me more advice now than I'm giving her <laughs> at this point in time, but it's been a, a wonderful friendship that's, that's lasted for, for uh, almost 20 years now. We get together at every ATS meeting. We... Um, uh, you know, have occasional phone calls. Uh, it, it, and so that kind of, uh, that long-distance uh, mentoring relationship has turned into a, a genuine friendship, which has been really lovely. Uh, and I hope that there were more of those uh, in addition to ours that um, resulted from the Women's Mentoring Program. But that was a, a terrific project, and uh, the ATS was really great in providing support for it. And I, I tell my trainees that I so look forward to the ATS meeting each year, um, certainly for the learning that that entails, but also because it allows me to reconnect with all of my wonderful female colleagues and friends from around the country um, in a Absolutely. way that... I get a few other opportunities to do. <clears throat> so, um, Dr. Rounds, I wanted to congratulate you uh, on being selected as the 2019 Breathing for Life awardee. Uh, the Breathing for Life award is the highest honor given by the Foundation uh, for Philanthropy, Scientific Achievement, and Commitment to Mentorship. So a, a really uh, great honor for you to receive. Given I'm very honored and humble. <laughs> Well, um, so can you tell our listeners why you feel it's important to support and advocate for young investigators in pulmonary critical care and sleep medicine? Well, yeah, this is, uh, it's hugely important for us to give back to our profession, uh, in my opinion, and for many reasons. Um, first of all, um, the ATS Foundation has, a, has as a major focus uh, providing research support for junior investigators in pulmonary critical care sleep medicine and um, related fields. And this is so important because the NIH um, has limited resources, and to get started on a scholarly career, research career, it's really necessary to have a little jump start, a little cushion of money to get things uh, off the ground and moving. Um, and the ATS uh, Foundation Research Program over the years has awarded uh, $19 million to uh, 263 investigators, and the return on investment has been outstanding with uh, this $19 million eventually resulting in a later uh, $330 million in federal funding to those uh, young investigators. So this jump start has been extraordinarily uh, effective. Um, the other thing that's great about the ATS Foundation Research Program is that uh, the awardees can explore a diverse array of topics. Um, they, uh, they are able to have protected uh, research time, uh, and this allows the uh, awardees to successfully compete for 
uh, career development awards from the NIH, and eventually uh, the increases the likelihood of obtaining a independent investigator uh, uh, award such as an NR01. Um, the other thing that I think is um, so important is that it's a vote of confidence for young people to, even though the HES Found Research Program awards are on the, they're, they're modest in size, but it's a huge vote of confidence uh, on the part of the profession that this, that, that our organization feels that this person has something important to do to contribute to the field. And department chairs notices, division chiefs notices, uh, the honor of obtaining one of these awards, I think, can really make a huge difference to a young person starting out. And I will say that in, in my own life, um, Early on in my career, I was uh, the beneficiary of similar awards from the American Lung Association, and I've, I've been very grateful to the uh, ALA for this opportunity, and I think it's absolutely terrific that the American Thoracic Society has been able to, to, to offer similar awards uh, for people getting started in their careers. Um, so for many reasons, this program is uh, really important, and I think it's really important for us to support it. And I agree completely. I had the good fortune to get a Young Investigator Award for, from the ALA uh, as well early in my career. And, and I think in the early part of the career is when we see people opting out sometimes of academic medicine because the path ahead mm -hmm. appears so hard. And so I, I definitely agree that uh, getting an award like that uh, from, for example, the ATS Foundation can be that that thing <laughs> that gets uh, a young faculty member to, to, to stay in academics um, and to stay on a track of investigation um, that ultimately may be very fruitful but can appear very discouraging at the beginning of their career. It's a, it's a great jump start, and uh, and 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 I think that uh, as members of the ATS, uh, we can uh, help our our profession by by supporting the uh, research program. Excellent, thank you. So, Susan, I have a question for you. Um, what do you see as the role of the division chief in supporting research funding? Why is it important? Well, the division chief really sets uh, the, the tenor uh, for a division and its priorities and makes decisions about resource allocation. Um, we're all always operating under conditions of, of constraint. And I think by demonstrating support for research funding and the way we prioritize our spending, we send a very important message about the importance of research. At least at my institution, um, we are more likely to garner funds from the larger institution if they see us using our own funds uh, in ways that we, see, that we think are important. They see us putting our money where our mouth is. Um, so I think for the division chief to, to set that priority and then demonstrate it on an ongoing basis through the little decisions they make about resource allocation and priorities is, is critically important. What, what are your thoughts? 
Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think that uh, setting an example of uh, supporting research uh, probably is influential for uh, future uh, donations for tra you know trainees and, and young faculty when they they see that example. The uh, I guess uh, I would also ask you uh, for division directors who are considering attending the foundation research benefit. Uh, what advice would you give? Please go. I guess I would say it's um it's first off it demonstrates a commitment to the support of research because that benefit raises money, uh, which in turn funds the awards that you just spoke about uh, and for which I think we all understand the import. Um, it also, um, it's fun to see people be honored for the, the work they've done and to find out who these awardees are. Um, and so I, I would encourage them uh, to go. It's a, it's a fun evening, uh, but more importantly, it's, it's one that is meaningful. Um, in terms of supporting research and honoring researchers. Great. Well, thank you for the support. <laughs> well, thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about this year's um, research program benefit? Well, it's going to be held uh, at Union Station in Dallas, Texas on uh, Saturday, May 18th uh, at 7 o'clock in the evening. Uh, just before the official program of the meeting starts um, on Sunday. Uh, the ticket purchase for the benefit is 100% tax deductible, and something that's really very uh, special about this uh, benefit is 100% of all ticket sales go directly to support the research program. So uh, this is uh, a very remarkable uh, ability for us to feel that our, our money is going uh, to support the young people who benefit from this program. If uh, listeners would like to have some more information, uh, they can email uh, Allie Felix at afelix at thoracic.org or visit the um, website foundation.thoracic.org and um, find out more information about uh, uh, how to attend and my friends and uh, colleagues uh, at that event. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. Um, well, we'll conclude here. Uh, I want to thank Sharon for joining us today and to, again, congratulate her on her well-deserved achievement as the 2019 Breathing for Life awardee. I hope to see many division directors and their colleagues at this year's benefit. 